0: Right, good morning, everybody. How are we doing? Good. Uh, so first thing I want to do is new community is not known uh, all that much for uh, being a church that decorates a lot. Uh, but I actually think we did a pretty good job with the Christmas decorations this year.
1: When, when you say so, we, yeah, not.
0: <laughs> yeah. Now, I had nothing to do with it, but there are some people, uh, a couple of volunteers in our community that said, I would love to take that on. And uh, so let's again, I actually don't even know all of the volunteers that did that, but let's give them a round of applause for uh, willing to serve. Uh, so as you know, uh, this is Julie, one of my closest friends. I'm Kevin, and we get the distinct privilege of uh, kind of giving our first Advent teaching uh, of this year, but also our first Advent teaching in this building, which is awesome. So we're going to start this way. I want you to turn to somebody next to you or around you. Uh, you can be in a group of uh, just a few or a bigger group if you want. And I'm going to give you about 90 seconds, and I want you to share something that either you witnessed or something that has happened to you recently that was absolutely amazing, all right? Something that was amazing that either you witnessed or uh, something that happened to you. Take 90 seconds and share that amongst yourselves. All right, so uh, my guess is when you actually take, uh, take a few seconds and kind of think about life and what's transpired in life over the last few weeks or few months, we can all identify amazing things that happen, right? Uh, we see amazing things often. In fact, just the other day, I, was, uh, I had a meeting down. Um, at Indaba Coffee, that's kind of a nice little plug for Indaba, it was uh, the one downtown, and they have that enormous crane, I'm not sure if it's actually still there, but there was that enormous crane working on the uh, Macy's building that they're uh, redoing, and I just sat, I was like a child for like five minutes just sitting looking at this crane with, you know, 50 tons of weight on it, uh, and they were operating this crane over uh, the Macy's downtown, it was one of those moments, I'm like, man, this is just amazing, just like incredible how... That thing works uh, and is doing that job down there. So we see amazing things often. And really, what we're going to talk about this morning uh, is the idea of amazing things. But, but to be exact, and maybe even a little bit deeper, we want to talk about the idea of wonder. Right? Because we always see uh, amazing things in our life, but to truly be in a state of wonder is something that's pretty special. The definition of wonder is this, and it will be up uh, on the screen behind you. To be in a state of wonder is to be overwhelmed by something unexpected. To be in a state of wonder is to be overwhelmed by something unexpected. Uh, You might be able to say it this way. It's to be emotionally or spiritually moved by something that's amazing. So I stood and I watched that crane work, but then I went into my meeting and I kind of forgot about it. I wasn't really moved by that. I mean, it was cool, and it was amazing, and I got to watch it, but I wasn't moved. I wasn't emotionally moved or spiritually moved by what was happening. But a state of wonder means that you were moved by something. You were overwhelmed by something. This summer, uh, I had the, uh, the uh, privilege of being on sabbatical, so my family and I got to spend a ton of time together, and one of the cool things that we did was we did a Seattle trip I've lived in the state of Washington most of my life, and I've been to Seattle a number of times. But I hadn't been to Seattle as a tourist probably since I was eight years old. I mean, it's been a long time since I've done touristy things in Seattle. Our kids had never done it, so we did like every classic thing you would do in Seattle. We did, uh, we did the aquarium, we did Pike Place Market, we did the Space Needle. Uh, we spent time down in Seattle Center, and one of the, uh, the coolest things that we got to do was go to the Pacific Science Center. Has anybody been there before? All right. It is amazing. We spent all day at the Pacific Science Center, and uh, my kids, it was so fun to watch my kids experience the Pacific Science Center, because they were in a state of wonder for about eight straight hours, uh, whether it was in the dinosaur exhibit uh, or the, uh, we th- they did a small show about how things explode. I mean, if you want to captivate <coughs> an 8-year-old uh, boy's attention, you just make enormous explosions, and it's unbelievable, right? Uh, snake exhibits and solar system exhibits and why things stay in motion and gravity. And my kids, my three boys, were in a state of wonder. You could just see them standing there just, like, moved by all of this stuff that they were learning. If you get an opportunity to go to uh, the Pacific Science Center, I would strongly encourage it because uh, you will get to see people, little kids, in a state of wonder. If you don't have kids, I would suggest not going to the Pacific Science Center because that's just weird if you're just an adult cruising around watching kids. But uh, if you have kids, go. And uh, it is an amazing, amazing experience. But if we were honest, I would say that not all of us Feel these states of wonder. Sadly, if I actually think about my own life, I don't really allow myself to be in wonder or to be overwhelmed by unexpected things all that much. I've prided myself on being in a general state of being underwhelmed <laughs> by things because I like to be in control of the things around my life. I like to know what's going on. I like to have control in the situation. I like to be steady. I like to be cool. I like to have that, uh, that demeanor about myself that nothing really rattles me. And so that state of wonder is not something that I actually experience all that much. And I would suggest maybe that state of wonder is not something that as adults we experience all that much anymore. As we grow and mature, we learn how to be Uh, socialized in the world, and as we take on more responsibility and larger debts, and we experience more of life's loss and brokenness and pain, true wonder is often relegated to that sentimental feeling you have as a child. Wonder is an easy thing to abandon once you get into adulthood.
1: And I have a confession for you all. I, this week, had an experience where I lost my state of wonder over this building, I don't know if you guys have been in here much. Um, there's a lot of little things about this building that, for example, were you here, who was here this summer? Who was hot this summer? Yep. Who's been in here when it's been really cold? Yep. There's a lot of little things. For example, I, you know, I shouldn't point out all these things to you guys, actually. I was about to give you a list. I'll just give the example I was going to give. Um, this Monday, we had the privilege of doing a furnace tour. Have you guys ever had that tour? So after our staff meeting, We had somebody who was showing us all the furnaces of this building. We wanted to make sure that we knew where the thermostats were, how to turn them on, when to turn them on, how to turn them off so that upstairs uh, you don't sweat it out by the end of a kid's community. So we went to the first section, and he was leading us, and he said, okay, here's the furnace. Here's how you turn it on. This is great. It's this huge, inefficient beast. And then we're like, great, got that one down. We came and looked at the thermostats. Here's where you hold it. Here's where you don't. Here's... Then we went upstairs, there's four furnaces upstairs, and there's, um, I, I'm pretty sure, guys, it's from 1942, and there's this little tiny red light, and it bli- if it blinks once, you're supposed to flip one switch, if it blinks twice, you do another one, and the three times maybe just go up and down, I don't know. <laughs> but at that point, I was like, okay, this is ridiculous. Thought it was over. Then, we go to the next section. And he's like, okay, if you wanna heat this little room right here, what you gotta do, is you gotta open up the door to the room, and then there's some exposed venting on the ground. And he says, quote, just reach down, break this piece a little bit, open it up, and then let the air come out. <laughs> quote, DW WeatherEd. That is how you get that heat in there. And at that point, I looked at Brooke, and I was like, what, uh, what did we get ourselves into? This, what is happening? And I fully lost the wonder of this building. All I saw was the broken vent, uh, the millions of locks that have different keys, all these things. And in the midst of that, I completely abandoned the wonder of how we even moved into this building and how nine months ago, a year ago, there was no thought that we would be in here. Actually, probably a little more than a year now. But we sat here. God moved. He gave us this building for half the price that it should have been. When we made our offer on this building, we actually kind of laughed and we're like we, we're not going to get in there they're going to say no and a month later they said yes and then we're like what are we going to do and then since then there's been a miracle after miracle after miracle and even this week um there was 50 some people here last night at something called mini con which i don't exactly know what it was but i heard it was awesome and it was something with dungeons and dragons and, um, and then th- this week young life meets in here and kids are hearing about jesus who have never heard about jesus before uh the gym just got underprivileged kids uh, to teach them soccer and mentoring. There's a lot of wonder in this building, but oftentimes I get stuck on looking at that broken bit.
0: Adulthood has a way of sucking wonder out of our life. <clears throat> Mike Iaconelli says this, children live in a world of dreams and imagination, a world of aliveness. There is a voice of wonder and amazement inside of us all, but we grow to realize we no longer hear it. And we live in silence. It isn't that God stopped speaking. it's that our lives become louder. Think back when you first owned your faith, whether it was a, a singular moment in time or where you began to really grow into who you were as a follower of Jesus. I can remember the state of wonder I was in sitting at a young life camp when I was 17 years old, when I first trusted Christ, the speaker speaking to me, and it was the first time that I really heard and understood the idea that God, who created the universe, also created love, created me. The God, over everything that I see, also loved me, that he knows me, that he has a purpose for me, and I can remember the state of wonder, of just being in awe, of being overwhelmed by the reality that the God of the universe wants to know me. But I've been thinking lately to continue to live for Christ, to be about all that he wants me to be about, I have to open myself to this idea of wonder once again, like I was when I was 17. I have to have moments in my life where I stand in awe of him, to be overwhelmed by him. In Matthew 18, I think we... This critical aspect of uh, having a vibrant faith. The disciples are kind of arguing uh, amongst themselves about who is the greatest in the kingdom. This was an argument that happened a number of times throughout the Gospels. And they come to Jesus, and Jesus is sitting there, and and there are children kind of at play around him, and they bring this question to Jesus, and Jesus says this, Truly I say to you, lest you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like a child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Now in that moment, Jesus is looking at the kids that are around him, and I think there are a number of things that are probably going through his mind. Yes, kids exercise incredible faith. Yes, they are quick to forgive. Yes, they live with unabashed honesty. All of these things that we really, really value when we watch our kids, but they also live in a state of wonder. They allow themselves to be overwhelmed by little things, to be in awe of the things happening around them. And I believe in this moment Jesus was communicating to his disciples the process to enter the kingdom of heaven is to humbly posture yourself like a child so you too can once again experience wonder.
1: Maybe Wonder is most profoundly seen in the story of the first Christmas. As Kevin and I prepared this talk, we decided to sit in the first two chapters of Luke. And when I say that, I mean that we decided we're going to read it and reread it and reread it. Because I think what often happens, at least for me, is that oftentimes I'll read the Christmas story, I checked it off my list, read it to my kids, then I'm done. Um, But this year, I said, I'm going to just read it over and over, and I'm going to take a breath, and I'm going to try and place myself into that story. And even more than that, I'm going to try and read it as if I don't know the ending of the story and what it would be like to be in it and not know all the miracles that Jesus was going to do and the cross and all those things. But what happens if I just really sit in the story and put myself in it? And what I found was that wonder hovers over the entire Christmas story. It's found in the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth and Zechariah's neighbors and the shepherds and all those who heard what the shepherds shared about this baby And, of course, wonder is found in Mary. And as I was reading through this and putting myself into the places of the characters, I resonated most with Mary. And this is not because an angel has appeared to me and told me that I'm going to have God's baby. Um, (laughs) But because at the basic of all basics, I've experienced similar experiences to her. I've been a teenage girl. I've dated someone. I've been engaged. I've been married and pregnant and a mom. And so I found myself that I was able to put myself into the framework of her story. So let's take a moment, if you have your Bible, turn to Luke 126 with me. And I'm just going to kind of go over the first little bit of this story. Um, So let's refresh ourselves. Remember that Mary is just a teenage girl. I oftentimes, when I picture Mary in my head, I have this image of like a 40-year-old woman who's all put together and a solemn face and probably like a halo of light behind her holding a baby and all put together. But she is a teenage girl. Um, remember that, um, the angel comes to her and says, greetings, oh favored one, the Lord is with you. And at that point, it says that she was greatly troubled and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And that was super encouraging to me because if an angel appeared to me, I would love to say that I'm really confident and like, ah, yeah, this is kind of a normal everyday thing for me. But I think I'd be greatly troubled and kind of freaking out a little bit. And it sounds like she was too. So the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary looks at the angel and says, "Uh, How's this going to happen? I'm a virgin. And the angel says, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child will be born. who will be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Okay, stop for a second, guys. This is kind of a crazy story. Here's a little, little window into the thoughts as I read this. First of all, can you imagine being a teenager, like we talked about, engaged, a virgin, and then have an angel tell you that you're gonna have a baby, and not just any baby, but the Son of God. Now, I have three normal human babies, and... <laughs> That is enough pressure in and of itself. I cannot imagine trying, thinking to myself, okay, now I'm going to raise the son of God. No big deal. That's some just a little parenting issues. Um, so at that point, she's raising the son of God. Now, then, this is where my brain immediately goes. Now remember, she doesn't know the ending of the story. She doesn't know that the angel is going to go and visit Joseph at this point. And not to get too vulnerable to a group of 200, 300 people, but I will. Um, Brad and I, My husband Brad and I, we dated through college. We got engaged the end of my junior, no, the end of my si- senior year of college. And we waited to have sex until we were married. So I am sitting there thinking, if this angel came to me when I was engaged to Brad in college and said, yeah, you're going to be pregnant with God's son, I, was, I would try to be picturing that conversation I would have with Brad of, hey, Brad, I'm pregnant, and it's God's baby. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's, no, nope, I promise. Like, just trust me on this, you're going to raise God. marry me, I've been totally faithful to you, um, yeah, we're going to have God's faith, and I can imagine that's a little bit of what Mary was thinking, right? Is, that's kind of the reality of it. At this point in the story, I think I'd be stuck in my own fear, and the fear of the unknown and how this is all going to play out, and as I read through the Christmas story, I was kind of encouraged because there was so much fear throughout the whole story, um, each time an angel appeared, the person that they appeared to experience fear. In 112, Zechariah was filled with fear. And in 129, Mary was greatly troubled. In 2.9, the shepherds were filled with fear. And you may think that's weird that I was encouraged by that. But I was because I think we all experience fear, right? But each time, the angel says, do not be afraid. And they could have each stayed there, all of them. I can stay in my own fear at times. Mary could have remained greatly troubled, but instead she chose to look up. And when she did, she was overcome with wonder. She shares a beautiful song of praise where her wonder of God is seeping out of it. So if you look at verse 46 in Luke chapter 1, it says this My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. As he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, to his offspring forever. See, when Mary looks up, her circumstances don't change, but her perspective does. When Mary looks up, she doesn't see an unwed, pregnant teenager who has no cultural platform to be speaking these bold statements about herself and about God. She looks up and she sees God, a God who is faithful and consistent. She sees a God who doesn't celebrate earthly thrones and earthly power, but raises up those who are humble and lowly. She understands the movement of God in her life and in the lives of those to come. Mary looks up and as she does, she looks to God, she experiences and expresses a state of wonder. And Kevin and I are not here suggesting that we should all live in a state of wonder just to add one more thing to our Advent list this year, but we're suggesting this Because it brings us closer to the feet of Jesus. Because wonder aligns us with the heart of God and the movement of God.
0: Wonder is the feeling, the emotion. It's the state that moves the Advent story away from fear and toward closeness with the incarnate King. It's perhaps the most interesting common denominator throughout the key characters of the story. Each in different parts, in their own settings, with their own life circumstances, find themselves in awe in utter amazement about the unexpected beauty that is to be manifested on earth. Wonder lays the foundation for Advent, and we believe it should be foundational to our faith as adults in our current context as well. But what you notice when you read the story is that wonder is not just a random occurrence. It flows from the conscious movement of each character to look up. The miraculous birth of John to Zechariah and Elizabeth is precipitated by Zechariah looking to Gabriel when he visited, and when his tongue is loosened, his first response is to look up and to offer praise to God. Mary's remarkably prophetic and beautiful poem of exaltation given by this teenage mother, it's her way of looking up to God when life seems uncertain. The shepherds, the wise men, they all look up to follow a star that leads them to the place where their lives will be radically changed forever. Just as the movement of looking up is where we see wonder in the story, looking up is where we can once again find wonder in our lives. Bonhoeffer says this, Advent creates new men and women. Look up, you whose eyes are fixed on this earth, you who are captivated by the events and changes on the surface of this earth, look up, you who have turned away from heaven to this ground because you have become disillusioned. Look up, you whose eyes are laden with tears, you who mourn the loss of all that the earth has snatched away. Look up, you who cannot lift up eyes be, uh, because you are so laden with guilt. Look up, your redemption is drawing near. Something different than you see daily. Something more important. Something infinitely greater and more powerful is taking place. Become aware of it. Be on guard with a short while longer. Wait and something new will overtake you. God will come. Jesus will take possession of you and you will be a redeemed people. So much in life drags our eyes to the things around us. The tyranny of the urgent, as it's often said, is where we too often fix our gaze. I, for one, feel like this can be most acutely felt in the season of Advent. But this season is founded in wonder. And that's where we want it to stay.
1: The Christmas story models to us the movement of looking up. When life spins out of control, when you're told your elderly wife is going to conceive, when your voice is taken from you, when you've traveled for a few or a thousand miles because of a vision, when everything in the world tells you to look for ways to fix your problems, to look for ways of comfort, to look for ways to distract you, for alternatives, to alleviate pain. We will only see God. We will only experience Christ if we look up. We have a choice this Advent season. We can stay stuck in our fear. We can ha- stay stuck in the fear of the unknown, of being sick, of dying, of the, in fear of fill in the blank. And I am not saying any of that to minimize any situations that are going on out here. Because I personally know there are a lot of really big things that people are dealing with right now and will deal with in this next week, in the next year. I am saying this to remind us that those circumstances do not change who God is. God is faithful and God is consistent. And when we take our fear or whatever circumstance we are in, if we stop, if we take a breath and look up, we are allowing ourselves to enter into the wonder of who God is and to align our hearts with God's movement. Kids don't practice wondering with sophisticated techniques. They naturally are humble in the sense that they know they don't have all the answers. They're constantly practicing looking up with a fresh innocence and wonder. One of my favorite days of the year is the first snow. Um, I've got three girls, and they absolutely are blown away every year when that first snow comes. And they run outside in their pajamas, bare feet. They don't care, (laughs) and they just soak it in. And I have this one picture at my house that I was trying to find to put up, but my middle daughter, Belle especially, it's just her, she's probably five years old, and she's standing out there, and her arms are out, and she's looking up, and she just has the biggest (laughs) smile on her face, and she is so full of joy and contentment. And it's this image that I have that this is the posture that I want to have. So in this season, we want to encourage you to simply look up, be like a child, whatever your circumstances, whatever situation you find yourself in, just stop, give yourself some space, take a breath and look up, sit in the wonder of who God is and what he is doing in your life and in the lives of all those around you
0: conclude with this. The beauty of Advent is a yearly reminder, a story that we come back to year after year after year, a story that reminds and models the importance of wonder that we accept when we truly encounter the living God. One of my favorite authors, uh, David James Duncan, who's uh, kind of local to the Pacific Northwest, says this. He says, wonder is like grace, and that it's not a condition we grasp Wonder grasps us. We do have freedom to elude wonder's grasp. We have freedom to do all sorts of stupid things. By deploying cynicism, rationalism, fear, arrogance, judgmentalism, we can evade wonder nonstop all of our lives. I'm not too fond of that gnarly old old word, sin, but the deliberate evasion of wonder does bring it to mind. It may not be biblically sinful to evade wonder, But it is artistically and spiritually sinful. To be grasped by something is to relinquish control. We know that's difficult. We know it can be uncomfortable. But if we evade wonder for too long, we will become spiritually dead. You don't need wonder to read the scripture. You don't need wonder to know about Jesus. We don't need wonder to actually be obedient to the Christian life. These things can be done through study and practice and prayer, and those are good things. They can become a result of behavior modification, and again, those things are okay things. But to truly encounter Jesus, to have an experience with God like those in the Advent story, you need wonder. You need to allow yourself to be overwhelmed to be surprised, to be moved by all that God has done. This will not happen by simply wanting it. It happens when we stop focusing on all the things around us and we choose to look up. Our prayer for this season of Advent is that each of you will be able to look up to allow the wonder of Christ's coming to grasp you.
1: Amen. Pray with me. God, we are thankful to be here. We are thankful to be sitting in this space together as a community. God, we boldly ask that you take hold of our hearts this Advent season, Lord, uh, that you teach us what it means to be in wonder of you. Give us a time and space to sit in the wonder of who you are and what you are doing. God, teach us to be like Mary and like the shepherds. Teach us to just look up, to you. God, we are grateful for who you are. We are thankful for all the things that you are doing in our lives and in this community. Challenge us and encourage us this week. Amen. Will you guys stand with me for the benediction? Lord Jesus Christ, who is, who was, and who is to come, we pray for the virtue of hope that amidst the trials and difficulties of this world, we may keep our hearts fixed upon you who reigns over the world. Open your eyes to see this world, that we may know the places where you are needed. May your grace enliven us, strengthen us, and defend us, as we learn to live graciously as your people and your church. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in wonder. (laughs)